More on Apple Repairs, Qualcomm, Microsoft, and ARM. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart, fair and fast personal loans. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a three-part Mac Voices Live conversation. This time, we finish up some discussion of Apple repair experiences, both in and out of the Apple Store. And then we turn our attention to the story about Qualcomm and ARM and Microsoft and what it might mean for the future of virtualization on the M1 chips. Let's go right back and let the panel do the talking. There's a lot of great shops out there, and but there's also the fact that so many, uh, so many people do not live near an Apple store. I mean, there's there's folks mm-hmm. that, that have to drive two and three hours to go to an Apple store where there might be a local repair shop that's so much closer by that that would be more ideal to work with. So I think there's the case because Apple's not going to, Apple's being smart and strategic where they put their their stores and uh, it makes total sense that they aren't going to put them in areas that they don't think it's going to, the store isn't going to prosper. So that's why you got these other uh, third party shops. And I think if anything, Apple is, is, is going to recognize is the fact that this is going to help the customer in the long run by by allowing them to be able to do these repairs, regardless if they're an authorized repair shop or not. But what makes that comment really interesting to me, David? My local, my my closest Apple store is about fifty minutes away, and I don't know. I mean, I've I've been there and I've taken things there to be repaired, and most of the time I have to make a second trip, which is not unusual. But if you, at least the last time I had uh, a repair to be done on a MacBook Pro, I talked to Apple directly and they sent me the package and, you know, I shipped it back and it was back in a frightening amount of time. Now, right now I know it's pandemic time. And so the shipping may take a whole lot longer than the repair. But, you know, in in that experience, I mean, it it, it was overnighted to them. And I had information on the website about exactly what they were doing and where my where my MacBook was in the repair process. And it was back, I don't think I'm exaggerating, in four or five days. And I don't know that I would have had that kind of turnaround if they could have done it in the Apple Store. I'm not sure I would have had any better turnaround. I, pro- I, I might have had worse turnaround. And that is not putting down anybody at the Apple Store. So please don't you know jump down my throat. Well, that, that's not the point. The a point lot of is, times, the Apple Store yeah. will just do exactly that and send it. They should work in the store. I think it's to Austin. And in fact, I've had this, you know, third-party place I go to. Sometimes they've had to do that, but I'm kind of happy to let them do that too. They've already got all the boxes on hand. So I think, you know, like Apple had to send you a box, right? And then you sent it back, and then so that's an extra, at least an extra day, to for the uh, just the empty box to get to you. Um, so if, you know, you take it in, they, they can get it out right away. Um, yeah, I, I just, they can get it out. Did you say the Apple store was 15 minutes or five, zero minutes from you? Five, five, zero. Yeah. Okay. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, uh, Chuck, I I've seen even faster turnarounds where, I've had to take my MacBook Pro in for something, had a morning Genius Bar appointment, and they told me we have to send it to Austin for the fix. 
And uh, so it goes off on that day shipment. The next evening, I picked up my computer at the Apple store. It had already come back and been fixed. Yeah. Which I mean, to me, that's yeah. insane that they, that they could turn yeah. it around that fast, including shipping. But there you go. Yeah. And uh, and for me, then it's even better because I have an Apple store that's that's like five minutes away. No, I mean, I give the same. I get the same exact experience with this this MacBook Pro I have here. I ended up having a system board failure. I shipped it out to, to Austin, and then they shipped it back within a reasonable amount of time. So, I, I just, I guess, this whole debate over over the repair thing, maybe I'm missing it, but I just feel like Apple has done an amazing job for people with an Apple store close to them, and in my experience, with an with an Apple store not close to them. And I, you know, I mean, half the time you can't get your car back, you know, and your deal is right here and, you know, you drive your car in and okay, it'll be three or four days, Mr. Joyner. Okay. You know, now they, the one difference is of course they can give you a loaner. Um, But beyond that. But what's wrong with your car? I mean, I I usually don't have to, very rare to have a car more than leave more than one day for me, unless there's, you know, maybe once when it, you know, it had a major, you know, problem, but. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends obviously, Jim, on, on a lot of things, you know, how old your car is and, you know, a million other variables, but. My, my car is 15 years old. Wow. So I, I have this, this one weird hack that gets me amazing, <laughs> consistently amazing and fast service at, uh, at the tire place that I go to and the mechanic I go to. I, uh, I, I'm always nice when I go in. I found out what kind of beer the mechanics like, and I bring it to them. That is not the hack I thought you were going with, but that's a good one. It is. I mean, they're excited because here, here shows up a, a case of, of cold beer for them. Um, and I always bring it uh, like after I've gotten the car. So that, you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, yep, the good news is we fixed your car. The bad news is we fixed it with parts from a 1983 Ford Fiesta uh, and <laughs> that we spray painted and it was well, great. <laughs> it'll be great. Uh, but yeah, the, it, it's amazing what uh, what a gift like that will do. And, and of course, I, I'm helping myself out, but I'm doing something nice for them at the same time and everyone wins. I, I had a friend that had a, did a, a really clever hack for finding a mechanic. He had this Italian car and gosh, I'm blanking on the name. It's not a Fiat. It's not a high end one. They were out of the country for a long time. Now they're back. I think it starts with an A. I can't remember. Al- Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. That's, that's it. Oh, yes, okay. yes. So he had an Alfa Romeo. And so he, he, you know, he needed to find a mechanic. And so he got an idea. He looked in the newspaper. This was, back when there was such a thing as newspaper and look for people selling, you know, used ones. And then he called them and he's like, I, you know, apologize. I don't want to buy your car, but I'm curious if you have a mechanic that you like. And so he found a great mechanic that way. Um, in fact, it turned out that the mechanic had been an Alfa Romeo engineer or a field engineer. He, he was from Italy and he had moved to California as a field engineer. And then, they shut down their American operations and said, you got to come back to Italy 
And he said, no, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to Italy. I'm staying in California. So he opened up his own shop. So he knew everything about these cars. And he was like, you know, oh, yes, the 1980, in 1985, you know, they adjusted this thing. and But then in 1986, you know, the flapper, you know, had to go. He knew everything about it. It was, it was, it was amusing just to listen to him. Um, so I guess you know that's that's a bunch of different takes. Um, you know, there've been a number of comments here in, in the chat room. I want to make sure we get to. Um, Brad pointed out that if Apple will offer the tools and parts and instructions, it may take, it may no longer be cost effective to actually do it. Uh, which you know that's an interesting point. Um, and then Webb says, and I agree, Webb, I'd like to see that Apple Depot repair facility. I bet it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Bob says Apple's after-sales after service is one of the best around, and that's certainly been my experience, Bob. You know, I know, I'm sure there are people out there that would disagree, but they've treated me well. Uh, let's see. Webb points out, rightly so, that uh, right now car repair has to do with parts availability. You know, it's kind of scary what's going on out there. And Mike has just uh, identified now that we're going to be guessing car brands as a regular part of the show. <laughs> and he's what's the one who guessed the correct brand. Yeah. It's, it's, what the people, it's what the people want. I mean, yeah. we've got to, if it, it, at the Thanksgiving season, I think it's important to recognize that the audience is always right. And what they want is more Mac Voices Live panelists guessing obscure car brands um, yeah. wherever possible. So I think I think yeah. it's new feature. It's just that's 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 how that's how easy it is to create new content these days. Um, Probably have a limited run on that. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff on the there. chat, you. That's a different Jeff, I think. So I, I, I'm interested in his comment that he says he went to an Apple store, wanted to buy a oh. cable, and was told he needed to buy an appointment. Has anybody else? I heard, I, heard I, have, I have the opposite experience of of which is what I normally do at the Apple store. I was at the Apple store in Honolulu. I I walked in, uh, picked up a you know Belkin AirTag lanyard off the shelf, scanned it with my trusty Apple Store app, left my receipt on the screen, walked out unmolested, touchless transaction. Um, if you if you have the Apple Store app, there's never a reason that you should have to make an appointment right. or talk to anyone uh, to to obtain your merchandise. That's, that's what I, I thought. I can shed some light on. Why on, Jeff said that? Uh, I, I yes. can shed some light on that. Okay. Okay. So, what Apple has been doing during the pandemic, and oh. it, it varies by area based on what uh, current restrictions are in place. Yes. Uh, so, there are some areas where you have to have an appointment because they have a strict limit on uh, on how many people they can have in the stores, uh, how many people they can they can have doing like face to face interactions. And there, there was uh, a long stretch, like here in Colorado, where if you wanted to do something in the Apple store, you had to have an appointment. Yep, and too. so the, the best way to do a purchase was to open up the app on your iPhone and uh, um, make the purchase through there and do curbside pickup because there were more slots open for those appointments and there were for appointments actually meeting with someone to uh, to make a purchase i guess i'm wondering when the last time jeff was in an apple store because he says that because it hasn't been like that here for like maybe six months or 
at least four say, or five months. I was going to say, Mike, I just bought an Apple Watch last last Thursday, last Thursday and uh, I walked into the store, didn't make an appointment. I didn't because I get a business discount. I need, need to scan my QR code. So she saw the guy says, oh, yeah, let me put your name on the list. It'll probably be at about 3.30 and I got there at 3 o'clock. I'm like, oh, great. I got to wait for a half hour. So look around the store, not even five minutes later, someone freed up and they came and helped me. So, yeah, so that, that's kind of surprising to hear that. But like you said, it, it is, it varies in different areas around, you know, around the air, around the country, um, depending on, you know, the rules with, with you know, the, the, the latest of the pandemic, but seems here it's kind of freed up a little bit. Cause I mean, there were all the times where I did have to have an appointment, uh, when, you know, when we were at the heavy point of the pandemic. So. I'm, I'm waiting for Bob, uh, in the chat room to respond, but he says at my local Apple store, yeah. we're still controlling entry. So yeah, see, UK yeah. might be a little uh, more restrictive. Yeah, right. And then uh, in the United States, it can vary from city state. to city and county to county, state to state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was. I happen. He's in the UK. I was in the UK, so that's going to throw sure. things up. Yeah. Uh, I I I was at the. Um, one of the New York City Apple stores at uh, at at um, uh, the uh, world at Fulton Street um, in the in the Oculus Mall at uh, at the World Trade Center, and I happened to be walking through there on the day that they flipped from appointment only to freely enter, um, and they still had the signage up, and I sort of I sort of peeked at it. And the and the genius waved me in, or the staffer waved me in. I said, I don't have an appointment. He said, Oh no, no, we like today. We just changed it. But it was for it was for quite some time. To that to to Jeff's point, that that entry and that that timed entry was under was in in place, um, which is interesting because it's a capacity control for sure. But it it, it already was the most touchless possible retail experience, except if you were doing something that physically required the Apple staffer to put their hands on you or your merchandise. But most of the time you didn't need that. You didn't need to have a within six foot interaction with anybody to do what you needed to do. If you needed help with something, or if you were there for a training session, that's obviously very different, but buying a cable, like, again, it's a, it's a wander in wander out. So they were, they were pretty well prepared or for the post pandemic or the late pandemic flavor of of uh bricks and mortar retail because it was already as close to touchless as you could get when was that mike uh i want to say that was last year um oh in 2020 they were already opening it up i think it might have been in the fall of 2020 that can't be right so it has to have been in like the spring of this year it has to have been yeah. in like 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 March or April of 2021. Right. Okay, that makes. I just I can I'd have to look at my you know my my Foursquare history to find yeah, out. Yeah, it, so it was something there. like April. I think in Los Angeles because I've only been in a, an Apple store once since the pandemic started, and I, I think it was May. And I remember it was like so weird and to to be inside the Apple store, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, here's all these products that I've only read about and. I can see them in person, even a Mac Pro. <laughs> this edition of Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart. Fair and fast personal loans. Go to upstart.com slash Mac Voices to find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. 
If you're carrying a credit balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. Why not change that for the new year with Upstart? Upstart is fair and fast personal loans from $1,000 to $50,000, and the process is done all online. Upstart gives you a smarter rate by looking at things like your income, current employment, and credit history, and not just your credit score, to give you that smarter rate. Upstart can help you get control of your debt, whether it's credit card debt, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. And again, all done online from the privacy of your computer. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash macvoices. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash macvoices. Don't forget to use my URL to let them know I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Upstart for their support of Mac Voices. Yeah. Um, Craig, in the ch- Craig in the chat room says he's been to Indianapolis, Tampa, and Columbus, Ohio, and all were free reign with masks encouraged, but not mandated. Um, yeah. all, all states um, Bob, that are that are open for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess Bob I thought said, that I guess right, I thought sorry. every place in the United States was all the Apple stores were open, but maybe I'm wrong. Bob uh, was talking about the lead store, and he was saying, you know, they take your temperature there. And Brad says um, other nearby stores at the time in his area were not taking their temperatures. All the staff staff wear a mask, even though it's no longer mandatory in England from Bob. So, you know, there you go. It's just it's all over the place, depending on local jurisdictions. Yep. Um, Jim, you brought to the table uh, a, a couple stories that we wanted to chat about, and I'll let you run with them. Um, the oh, I better go one, look them up. <laughs> yeah, well, the first one was the Qualcomm deal. Allegedly, has an exclusive deal with Microsoft for Windows on ARM. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, assuming it's true, uh, because the story, and I saw it in a couple outlets, but they probably all came from one place. Um, so the story is that apparently Qualcomm has an exclusive deal with Microsoft uh, for Windows on ARM, but that it's going to expire soon, whatever that means. So, you know, then Windows could be on other ARM machines, not Qualcomm, which maybe could include uh, Apple Silicon M1 machine. Um, so I think that would be interesting if uh, Windows was available officially. And we, we've never had this explanation before that, you know, there was a contractual issue with Microsoft not allowing that. And and I guess I'm still not going to say that I know that this is true, but it would, that's what the reporting is today. Well, so far, Apple, um, Microsoft was not allowing uh, ARM, and you only could get ARM if you wanted to use Parallels um, on the Mac uh, with a insider edition of Windows, uh, whether it be Windows 10 or Windows 11, for that matter. Um, so it's so it's it, it is, it's still a beta. So they don't have an official version that will work um, on a Mac, but to be able to run it natively, that would be a, definitely a 
interesting thing to see what happens. You know, Apple, at first we had thought that Windows, Microsoft was just being resistant to it. They didn't want Windows to run on an Apple, Apple, Apple uh, Mac. But you know, maybe this story will kind of open the door. And, you know, I'd be curious to see too, as I'm a big Parallels user. I think uh, virtualization is, has gotten so much better with it. Um, and uh, to the fact that, uh, uh, why not? Why not? You can't, you can't get it to work. I'd, I'd like to see if there's ways of simulating older versions, because sometimes you have to go back and be able to use those, you know, and we can't keep Intel Max forever, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Chuck, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Cause I, I was just going to say one one thing to David's point, it, it, you know, you, you bring up an interesting use case of wanting to be able not only to run the ARM-enabled version of Windows, but older versions of Windows. As right. far as we know, there isn't going to be a way effectively yeah. to run, say, Windows 8 uh, or on M1 hardware because because the the emulation layer doesn't won't support those the those hardware level yeah. commands of the Intel chip. It's too bad. But it really is. but it's one of those things that you you want it, you might as well keep an Intel, some sort sort of flavor of Intel machine around anyway, even if it's right. a cheap window Intel box, because then you can use VirtualBox or Microsoft Hypervisor or VMware or or Parallels to do exactly right. that. Um, but having an officially supported flavor of Windows on ARM uh, that you could run on your Mac with some assistance would be great. A um, okay. lot of value in that, even if you can't go back to the older versions. Well, and doesn't um, you know the the Windows that is on ARM, like on a Surface and whatnot, it, it will run 32-bit old Windows apps even on the current version, which yep. is, I think, what a lot of the issue of people want to run old 32-bit Windows software, you know, probably most of the Windows stuff that's new Windows stuff, there's probably a Macintosh equivalent anyway, but people want to run some legacy, you know, Windows software, maybe it's an internal, you know, company thing or something like that, so this would, you know, provide a way that, that, you know, that could happen. So yeah, I, yeah, sure. Brad may have answered the question in the, in the chat room, but David, I want to make sure that I understand. So you're saying right now there is a way, it, it sounds like it's cobbled together and definitely not officially supported, but there is a way to run Windows on an M1 Mac. Is that, is that a correct statement? People are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Par parallel. Directly? Parallel Parallels. does it. Yes. But oh, yeah, not. Yeah but not well. <laughs> and well. It wasn't doing it well, but I think uh, version 17 just came out not too long ago. And I've, I played around with it a little bit. It's improved. I mean, I agree with you, Mike. It was, it was uh, not great. <laughs> when I first installed Windows 10 and it, it just was, it was horrid. It but just what does not, not well mean? Does it crash? I mean, Is it doesn't, crash, stuff doesn't run? Slow. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it, it just was not a good experience. Um, so, but, but didn't they have to start from scratch? Parallels? No, they're they're using yeah, a, you parallels. know there's a there's a Microsoft yes you know ARM version of Windows, but the, but Microsoft hasn't you know done it. anything on it to to you know optimize it for M1 or debug it. Red says he I run Windows 11 ARM under Parallels, but I didn't think they get any blessing from Redmond, which right. Is, right. is the understanding. Yeah, and he's also saying no boot camp, which I don't think that will ever happen. That'll never happen. No. 
boot camp's history. So let's flip this around. What what would be the advantage? I mean, okay, the M1 chips are hot, and they're they're going to get hotter. It seems. You know, this is going to be a really big thing. Microsoft didn't seem to have strong objections to running Windows under boot camp. So short of contractual obligations like the one referenced in the story, if yeah. it is coming to an end soon, I mean, isn't it in their isn't it in their best interests to even if it's not a native operating system to at least allow virtualization? On I, I think chip? that's that's what makes this story interesting because it okay. was kind of a, a head scratcher. You know, why wouldn't Microsoft do this? You know, they didn't seem to mind before. Um, it's you know potential extra revenue and 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 market share and 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 microsoft is no longer the windows everything you know we have to you know embrace extend and extinguish um so the story is kind of you know i guess that's to me the most because i don't really need to run windows but to me it's interesting because it was sort of a it was a puzzle like well why isn't microsoft doing this it seems like you know there's gonna you know already a lot of m1 max there's gonna be more um yeah, why 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 not? And maybe this is the reason. Well, they had a, a secret deal that you know it, that was probably made before Microsoft knew that Apple was going to jump into the ARM market. So they probably didn't make this deal with the idea that you know, oh, there's going to be a popular ARM machine that's that's not included with this. Microsoft has always been about being everywhere they can and uh, and when they had their leadership change they uh, they really embraced the idea of being on everything in whatever form they could be i think microsoft has always really liked that you could run windows natively on a mac and uh, well since 2005 since 2005 but you know in computer terms that's forever. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm sure based on on this new report, I'm sure that Microsoft's uh, holding back has been because of a deal. And as soon as that deal is up, they probably have already done the work so that they can just roll out whatever updates they need and uh, and then it becomes an Armapalooza, and Apple gets to be part of that as well. An yeah, arms I think, race. I, I think so. <laughs> I like Armapalooza. Don't get me wrong. Armapalooza is fantastic. That is good. That is good. Um, I shared in the chat and, and, and in our chat um, the, the uh, Parallels blog post from uh, very recently, um, uh, October. So within the past six weeks, um, about the some of the complexities now that the Windows 10 Insider Preview is no longer available, it's Windows 11 and it's Windows 11 Insider Preview, and it does require a trusted uh, a trusted uh, password module, a trusted program module, uh, either virtual or actual hardware, and so that creates complexity, and that's creating creating a challenge for running the virtual OS, virtual Windows OS on the Mac. Um, I think it's amazing. I mean, you know, Jeff mentioned like since 2005, which was the Intel Max with Bootcamp. I think it's amazing that we have three or more, three and a half, if you count crossover, fully supported, 
fully featured uh, emulators or virtualization solutions for Windows, not emulators, but actual virtualization um, that run that ran on Intel Macs forever. And in fact, on PowerPC Macs before that through emulation, um, that we've had this capability for so long, now having to having to sort of grapple with not having ready access to it or not having such an easy time of installing and running Windows on your Mac, it's time to sort of think about like, well, what does that mean in a world where most things are in the browser, where, you know, uh, remote virtual desktops or hosted, uh, hosted Windows OS solutions are available, readily available. Like, what do we really need to be running Windows for locally? And sometimes the answer is Outlook, <laughs> you know, Outlook 2019. Um, but I think everybody, if they put their minds to it, could think of a use case like, well, it would be useful if, it would be handy if I had a Windows machine that I could get to on demand. The question is, does that on demand really truly have to live on your hardware or could it live on somebody else's hardware that is that is coming to you as a service? Um, is that good enough? And well, I think for a lot of people it is. Well, and that's part of why Apple was able to do this M1 transition. You know, yeah. I mean, if you if you look back 10 years ago, that would have been a big obstacle. Well, we won't be able to run Windows anymore on the machine. And that you know, could have been a deal breaker for a lot of people. By 2020, when the M1s actually came out, I'm sure there's some people that that's a, a problem, but it's a lot less than it would, you know, would have been, you know, a decade ago. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, so it's, it's now gotten into sort of like nice to have for some people, but critical for only a small number of people. And those people probably weren't using Macs anyway. The panel will continue our discussion in the next edition of Mac Voices, where we finish up our conversation about Apple repairs and then look at Apple's suit against the NSO group over Pegasus. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by BackBeat Media at BackBeatMedia.com. Bandwidth provided by CashFly at CashFly.com.